you will please, to Proverbs chapter 12. Just like we have been the last few weeks, we're going to be all over the book of Proverbs today. Uh, In fact, the easiest way to follow along today, I'm just going to start off by reading Proverbs 12, 5, and 6, but the easiest way to follow along today, if you're at home watching on TV, if you go to our website, fbno.org, just scroll down a little bit, you're going to see something called Today's Sermon. And the title of the sermon is The Problem of the Tongue. If you click on that, it's the notes for the sermon. And if you're in here today, you want to take out your iPhone or your iPad or something else like that and go to fbno.org and scroll down and find the today's sermon, The Problem of the Tongue. Just You can download that and you can follow along with me in real time. And then, you, of course, you can have it for later, and you can read through the passages of Scripture that I'm bringing to bear today. In fact, I encourage you to do that. I ask that you do that. Please don't just listen today and hear in this one moment, but go home and meditate on what the Scriptures say to us in all of these different places. So you got my notes to do that. Pardon any typos that are there. They don't pay me to spell. And so there you go. You can have the notes and follow along with me that way. That's the best way to do this. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 5 through verse number 6. We are talking today about the tongue. You know, it was just like last week. Last week I said, hey, I made the decision. I'm going to preach on anger. And I probably had more opportunities to lose my cool last week than any other week that I'd had in a long time. Then this week I say, hey, I'm preaching on the tongue. And I have had more challenging moments where I needed to pick my words very, very carefully. And even here this coming week, things and situations where I just need to pick my words very, very carefully in how I respond. That's the way it always works. And so Proverbs chapter 12, we start off today by considering the tongue and the good or the bad that can come from it and God's estimation of all these things. Read with me verse number 5 through verse number 6. The thoughts of the righteous are right. But the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Father, help us, we pray. Help me in this moment with my very words. Give me accuracy and precision with your word. Help me to bring forth what is said here in the Scriptures in a way that bears down into our lives in ways that it bears fruit for your kingdom, that it bears goodness and life for our own lives and people, that we guard our tongues in such ways that we prevent evil and harm and destruction. Father, help me as I preach with that. Help all of us, including me, to listen well to your scriptures, to meditate on them, to apply them properly, God, to respond in a way that is pleasing to you. Lord, be at work in the life of this church, specifically through this sermon and through this series, to give us wisdom, that we may be more as you would have us to be. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I've used this illustration before about what our lives are like. In this case, I'll apply it to what our tongues are like, what our mouth is like. You and I each are like ships in a sea that pass through the waters, and you and I each, as ships passing through the waters, leave a wake behind us that other people swim in or create for themselves. 
It's in that wake that they are either hurt or that they are blessed. The words that we speak have a tremendous impact on people around us, on the people in our lives, in the work of our hands, and in every aspect of our lives. And so my question for you today is, what do you use your words for? Are your words a fountain of life? Or are your words a fountain of death? Just simply recognizing that each of us do indeed sometimes use our words in such a way that we bless people, we build people up, we help them, we strengthen them in some way. And other times we use our words in such a way that we hurt people, we tear them down, we destroy, we break, we ruin, we taint, we twist, and we bend. Truth be told, in our lives, it's typically a little bit of both of these things in our lives. And maybe that's just the way it is. Maybe we should just accept that for what it is and just move on with business as usual with the way we use this thing called the mouth. Unfortunately, however, that's not acceptable. God makes clear throughout the Old Testament and all the way through the New Testament that how we use our words really, really do matter to Him a lot. Now let me just do this real quick. When we think about the use of our words, this is a natural sermon to be sort of like a one-two punch for the sermon last week. We talked about anger last week and we talk about the tongue this week. It would seem appropriate, and it is, that these two would naturally go together because in fact, probably the cases and the times and the moments that you're most likely to use your tongue improperly are in those moments when you're angry. You get mad and you get riled up, you get frustrated and you just lash out at somebody else and you say something that's destructive for yourself or for them. Because remember, you're like a ship in the sea and there's people swimming in your wake. You create havoc for people by the way we use our tongue. It is true that indeed where we're most likely to misuse our tongue is when we're angry. But let's be clear about this. Those are not the only times that we can misuse our tongue. What about when we gossip? I mean, I've known a lot of people that are in a really, really good mood and in a happy place, and yet they just gossip, 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 gossip. In fact, doing the gossip seems to make them happier. So it's not like in that moment they're actually mad or upset. They just enjoy stirring the pot. And let me say that another way. They enjoy creating trouble for other people by gossip. Sometimes we misuse our tongue not just because we're angry or we're gossiping. Sometimes we misuse our tongue because we're thoughtless. We're in a situation where maybe somebody needs guidance, they need help, they need care, they need love in some way, and we just say something thoughtless to them that either doesn't help them or frustrates them further. And we're not actually mad or upset or gossiping in those moments. We're just thoughtless, and we say something inevitably that's hurtful to people. So here's what I want you to say or to see is that we can actually misuse our tongue in any number of ways. It's not just when we're angry, but it certainly does happen when we're angry, right? And so the Bible tells us, it gives us instruction all the way throughout the whole thing, that we need to pay attention to this. Let me start off today with a passage from Matthew chapter 12, just very quickly. Don't flip there and read, just listen to this. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Jesus would make that point a number of times throughout the Gospels. It's a common teaching of Jesus's. But how is he applying it here? What What kinds of situations are he talking about with fruit bearing here? Well, verse number 34. Brood of vipers. 
How can you bring evil, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is talking about the goodness or the badness of the tree based off of what we see coming out of the mouth. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. And then he says this. Here's a verse that ought to scare all of us a lot. Listen to what he says here in verse 36. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Every idle word. I've said it to you this way before. You know what? When I have moments like this one right here that I'm in right now, where I'm giving a sermon to a body of Christ and then groups of people that are online, knowing that my words are going to be listened to and heard in particular ways, I put a lot of thought into what I say. I plan my words cautiously and carefully. I pick them out because I realize in this moment, this matters, and I'll be judged on what I do here in this moment. But Jesus says He will judge me just as much for those things that I have said in those idle moments. It's when I'm sitting around the house. It's when I'm working around the office. It's when people aren't paying huge amounts of attention to what I'm saying or doing in those moments. I just say things off the cuff, or I just say things that come to my mind, or I just speak my mind in this situation or that situation in moments that don't seem to matter to us, like big moments like this. Jesus says, man, you're going to give an account for those words, every single one of them on the day of judgment. For by, listen to this, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Whoa. Jesus is talking about that tree being good or bad based off of the words we're saying. Listen to this, James chapter 3, verse 2 through 5. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Meaning this is the hardest thing of all to tame and to control. He said he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. We turn their whole bodies. And look at the ships, that although they're so large they're and driven by fierce winds, yet they're turned by such a small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member that boasts great things. Meaning this little thing right here can do more than almost anything else in the world. So therefore, what you do with this right here should really, really matter. Let me, let me just sink that in for just a minute. What we do with this right here can have a bigger impact than almost anything in the world. And yet we treat it as something that's, ah, you know, use it however you want. This is just me or whatever else. The Bible has a lot to say to us about the tongue. All right, book of Proverbs. Like last week, we're just going to go through various categories of things regarding the tongue from the book of Proverbs. First category, number one. The book of Proverbs makes this clear. That number one, the difference between the righteous and the wicked can be measured by the tongue. The difference between the righteous and the wicked can be measured by the tongue. Now let's be real clear about this. This is not the only way to measure the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. You could look at the works of their hands. You could look at lots and lots of different things about the righteous and the unrighteous, and you could see real clear differences between them. But what Proverbs makes abundantly clear to us throughout the entire book is that one of the primary ways we can adjudicate between these two, that we can put this one on that side and this one on that side and see a clear difference, it has to do with what we do right here. 
We, use our, we have lots of differences between the righteous and the unrighteous, but this right here is a major, major difference. So first of all, let's start off with the general comparison between the righteous and the unrighteous with regard to how they use their tongue throughout the book of Proverbs. There's just a, a sampling of the passages of Scripture, by the way. There's lots and lots more. First of all, the book of Proverbs makes it clear that the righteous understand what is acceptable to speak, whereas the unrighteous don't know what's acceptable, and they only know how to speak perversion. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, which is to say that the righteous person knows what things are appropriate to say and what things are not appropriate to say. But the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse, meaning the mouth of the wicked, they don't know what is, what is acceptable. They only know what is perverse. And so there's a real difference between the righteous and the unrighteous seen in what they say. The righteous know what's acceptable and the, the, the unrighteous only know what's perverse. And it shows in their speech. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 5 through 6 Proverbs goes on to say, listen, a real difference with the tongue between these two is that one uses it for deliverance for other people and the other one uses it to bring death for other people. Listen to what it says again. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 5 and 6. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are, lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. In other words, here's what unrighteous people do with this. They set traps for people to try to destroy them. But here's what the righteous do with this. They use it to deliver people from hardship and difficulty. Wow, that's a big difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17 through 18, talk about how the righteous use this to bring health and the unrighteous use this to use it like a sword to cut people down and to tear them down. He says this, He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness declares deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Huge difference between the righteous and the unrighteous is that one will use their tongue to try to tear people down and to destroy them, and the righteous will use their mouth to create health and well-being for others. He goes on, Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 14. The righteous ultimately use their tongue and speak knowledge, where the unrighteous use their tongue to pro, pro, uh, proclaim foolishness. Listen to what it says. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fool feeds on foolishness. We know someone is a fool. How? By what they do here. Simply put. One other passage here on the general difference between the two. Proverbs 18, verse number 21. One uses it for life and one uses it for death. Listen to this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Wow. You can do one of two things with this mouth. You can either do things that create death for people, or you can do things that create life for people. So there's this general overarching comparison of the unrighteous and the righteous throughout the book of Proverbs as it relates to the tongue. But the book of Proverbs goes into much more detail than that. The book of Proverbs also speaks quite often about how the tongue can be used for good. This can be a source of life. Listen to what it says here. 
In, verse num- in chapter 10, verse number 11, the Proverbs talk about the, the mouth as a well of life. It says this, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. In chapter 13, verse number 3, that it can be used, the mouth can be used to preserve life in some way. Listen to this. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Wow. Pleasant words are referred to in chapter 25, verse number 11. A word fitly spoken is like golden apples in a setting of silver, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Meaning, again, listen, yes, this can be used for great harm, but this can also be used for tremendous good with people. Let me talk on the flip side of that. speaks a lot about the harm. God hates the perverse mouth in chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in evil way, and the perverse mouth I will hate. In chapter 11, verse number 9, the Bible condemns hypocrisy with the mouth. Listen to this. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 27 through 30. Evil lips are like a burning fire, it says. Listen to this. A godly man, an ungodly man, digs up evil, and it is his lips, like is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He winks his eye to to devise perverse things. He purses his lips and brings about evil. Now, what, what is all of this getting at here throughout the book of Proverbs? It's just simply this, y'all. You have a choice with every word you speak that you can use this mouth to destroy people and tear them down, or you can use your mouth to build them up and make them strong. Let me tell you the tale of two teachers that have taught me. I remember on one occasion... My story, if you don't know it, yes, I know I'm an academic now and, you know, I've got degrees and publications and all those things. I didn't start here. I'm not a natural academic. I have multiple learning disabilities, so learning to read as a young kid was awful. My parents split up when I was seven years old, right in the sort of hotbed of learning how to read. And so let's just say this. I struggled academically my entire life, including to today. To this day, Though I have degrees and other things like that, my four children sitting on the front row read faster than I do. You say, how do you get all those books read? You ever heard the story of the tortoise and the hare? (laughs) You stay with it long enough, you just get through it, and that's how I got where I got. I failed second grade because I could not read. I failed third grade because I still could not read. I was not reading until fourth or fifth grade. To this day, as I've said, a very, very slow reader. People always promised me when I got into academics, you know what, Jamie, some point it's going to kick in and you're going to take off and you're going to get a lot faster. They were wrong. They were wrong. It never got faster for me. I struggled my entire life academically, but especially as a young little boy. But let me tell you why. It's not just because of the learning disabilities and some other things. It's because of the way a couple people used their tongue. 
I was told by friends. I was told by some family. I was told by school teachers that I was dumb, that I was stupid, and that I could never do this kind of stuff. And you know what? I bought it, hook, line, and sinker. I remember in the fourth grade, my teacher, I won't say her name, my teacher looked at me one day. She had her three J's and her three S's. Shannon, Sean, and Stephen, and Josh, Jamie, and, and Justin. And I remember she had her three S's and her three J's. We were the worst six kids in the class. We struggled with everything academically. Never would we have our homework done. Never did we get projects turned in in time, if at all. We always failed our spelling tests and our social studies tests and our math tests and our science tests. We were the worst students in the classroom. And she was perpetually frustrated with us. I remember on one particular day, I kid you not that this happened. On one particular day, I had yet again not turned in my homework, and I was yet again not getting my work done in class that day. And I guess she was having a bad day or something like that. And I can remember when she asked for my homework, and I said, I don't have it that day. I can remember she looked at me in front of the whole class, and she said, you're so stupid. And i got to tell you something, friends. In that moment, I was done. Done. I thought forever done. I believed it. I wholeheartedly accepted it. It broke me. It paralyzed me. It crippled me. What happened? June 16th, 1995, after getting arrested multiple times and drugs and alcohol and lots of other things like that that happened, I met Jesus Christ. And I knew that night, I knew that very night right then and there, but I'd spend the rest of my life doing this. I didn't know what this was. I certainly didn't know you had to go to school to do it. But as people started to disciple me and pour into me, they started to tell me, look, you need to go to seminary one day. I didn't know what seminary was. I didn't know what graduate programs were. But as they started to explain it's after college, I'm like, whoa, time out. You mean I got to go to college first? I was not, that was not in the plans. So after a good year in my senior year, good relative to my terms, that is, I graduated high school with a 1.6 GPA. I got into a little junior college that would let me in and give me a shot. And they poured themselves in me. By the end of my second semester, I'd made the dean's list. And I started off that course. I still didn't think much of myself. I got to Tacoa Falls College where I did a degree in biblical studies, and it was there that I began to learn and study the Bible academically. It was also there that I began to do apologetics, and I began to do philosophy and get interested in these types of things and theology, and I was just enraptured by it. I loved it. And I can remember there was this one professor, John Tal Murphy. John Tal Murphy was so revered and esteemed. He was the coolest person on the campus. He was like 78 years old, but he was the coolest man on campus. He looked cool. He smelled cool. He talked cool. He was brilliant. Everybody wanted to be like John Tal Murphy. He was a rock star. I'd had a class with him on one other occasion, but I was in his class one semester in the spring semester. It was a theology class. And we're going through the doctrines of the faith and we're knee deep in the thick of these great theological discussions. And I had been one of those kids in the class that constantly interacted with him. I don't think I was that obnoxious kid or anything, but I was constantly interacting with him and picking his brain and asking those questions. And I can remember about halfway through the course one day, he and I had gone back and forth a couple times on the questions. He carried on with his lecture. I asked another question and he had this habit that we would answer the question. He'd look out the window. You've heard me say this before, but I can remember when when he sat there and started answering my question, 
He paused mid-sentence in the middle of his answer and he turned and he looked at me in front of everybody and he simply said, you have quite the theological mind. And there you have it right there, friends. On the one pole, my fourth grade teacher who broke me and paralyzed me and on the other hand, a man far smarter than her who spoke life into me and for the first time in my life I thought, maybe, just maybe, God could do something with me. How do you use your words? With your spouse? With your children? With your parents? With your friends? With people on the internet? They're either life or death. And repeatedly throughout the Proverbs, that's the perspective that God lays down to us. Now, with that, God also gives us lots of instruction. Okay, here's what you do and here's what you don't do. To protect the tongue, to guard the mouth. Listen to just a litany of instruction. There's far more than this, but let me just run through them very quickly. It's the second big heading of the sermon today. There's God's instruction to us to guard our tongue on a number of fronts. Number one under this, we are instructed to repent when we sin with our mouth. Look, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Remember what James says? If anyone thinks he's a perfect man but doesn't guard his tongue, right? In fact, if you have guarded your tongue, you are that perfect man. This is the hardest thing of all for every one of us. So it's inevitable that the very best of us are going to say and do things with our tongue that we shouldn't do. We're going to hurt people from time to time with this thing. It is inevitable, yes. The question now is, what are you going to do about it? One of the saddest things I think I have ever heard about Christians, not all Christians, but some Christians, are those hard-headed, stubborn ones that will do things like say, I don't ever say I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. That's unacceptable. That's not okay as a follower of Jesus Christ. If you get it wrong, repent. If you hurt someone, say you're sorry. And don't give fake apologies. Don't go to them and say things like, man, I'm sorry if you were offended by my words. Those are the most ridiculous apologies in the world. Don't say that. Own it. Say, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I did that. Own it. You did it. So own it. Listen to what Proverbs say. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 2 through 3. You are ensnared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go, humble yourself, plead with your friend. That's simple. You're ensnared by them. You've you've messed up. So what do you do? You go and you plead. You go and you humble yourself. It's so, so hard on the front end, isn't it? And yet it is so liberating and life-giving in the moment and everything that comes after it. Look, if you're that Christian that says, or you're that person that says, I don't apologize. I never say I'm sorry. Okay. You're only hurting yourself. Or I should say this you're hurting yourself the most. Because you will be the one cut off from friendships. You will be the one cut off from family. You will be the one that eats that bitter fruit the longest. Others are going to eat it too, but you'll eat it the longest. Therefore, repent. 
The Bible goes on in Proverbs. We are instructed not just to repent when we sin with our mouth. We're instructed not to lie. Proverbs 4, verse 24. Put away from your deceitful mouth and perverse lips far from you. These things should never be found in us. Just be honest. Be forthright. We're instructed to think before we speak. We're instructed to think before we speak. Not just off the cuff. Not just rash. No. Pause for a minute. Collect your thought. Give it some thought. Get yourself to a cooler moment and then respond. Think before you speak. Because your words are life and death. Right? Listen to what it says. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Wow. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. We are instructed not to speak evil. Proverbs 8, verse number 7. For my mouth will speak the truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. In other words, I choose not to speak evil of people. I choose not to stir the pot to prolong and cultivate evil. I'm to have no part in that. You're to have no part in that. We are instructed to be careful with our venting. Sometimes you got to vent. But you are nevertheless instructed how much you vent, how fervently you vent. Listen to this, Proverbs 29, verse 11. The fool vents all his feelings, but the wise man holds them back. Now, yeah, you got to be honest and transparent, but be careful when you vent. We are instructed to be soft and kind with people. Listen to this. A soft answer turns away wrath. We saw this passage last week. It applies to this one too. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of a fool pours forth foolishness. We're instructed there to be soft and kind and tender. Let me ask you a couple questions today as we close. Number one, how do you use your words? I've asked you that multiple times today. But let me just let that question hang there for a minute. Maybe even just think back on this week. Maybe just think back on your recent history here. What have you said? What have you done with your words? Did they destroy or did they build? Do your patterns with the tongue adhere to the teaching set forth in Proverbs here? i got to be honest with you. There's a lot in that list of things of God's instruction that I struggle to do. That my patterns are not what they ought to be. Last of all, when you sin with your mouth, do you say you're sorry when you hurt people? That's what Christians do. That's what wise people do. That's what life-giving does. When you hurt, do you say you're sorry? Proverbs, as always, given to us that we may be wise. And wisdom keeps us out of a ditch. Wisdom builds up and gives life. And I hope and pray for you and for me that you and I would be the kind of people that listen and hear to the Word. Everyone challenge you today. Again, take these notes. 
Reflect through these passages of Scripture. Meditate on them. Examine your heart before God with the Scriptures in hand. And let Him shape us into the people that He's called us to be. Lord, we love You. We thank You so much for Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. These verses and these teachings are challenging to us. And we confess to You, Lord, that we are so, so very far from perfect or from where You'd have us to be. Give us conviction. Give us diligence to give ourselves to the Word of God and to obey. Lord, we pray that you bless this church. And even now, Father, if there are some here that don't know Christ, that they would come. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.